Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Oh, just sitting here once again. Forgot to say that the podcast is brought to you by Fullscale.io. Hi, Matt. Oh, geez. I know. Hey, I'll, I'll get it um, right. I'll make you a deal tonight. To, all right. If you come over and make me dinner, I'll give you some free wine. Um, I'm not so sure about that, dude. I'm I'm a terrible cook. Like I seriously like I can't cook in the microwave. I didn't say it had to be good. I just said I'd give you free wine. I'll tell you what. It's funny that you've asked and the timing on this is really ideal because I've got someone here that can help with that. Oh. Are you interested? So maybe he comes along and he cooks and we both just drink I'm wine? Just, yes. I think that that's the actual plan that we should engage. Oh. And so with that, I want to introduce our friend that cooks, the CEO and founder of Friend That Cooks, which is also found at weeklymealprep.com, Mr. Brandon Odell. Hello. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thank you for having me. Your timing is amazing. Well, you work for wine. Oh, I work for wine. He's got good wine too, yeah. I have have a lot of other people that would work for wine, chili peppers, Kobe beef. Wow. Kobe beef's kind of expensive. Seafood. Yeah. 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 What about ramen noodles? Hey, you should see that funny story (laughs) right off the bat. Uh, my, the name for my company came from me cooking for my friends late at night after I, I've always been in the food business. I have a friend in Wichita that owns a couple different bars and, and we closed it down every once in a while, you know, three, four nights a week, probably. And, uh, and, (laughs) and at least uh, once or twice a week, once or twice a week, he would spring for the groceries uh, round about when he was ready to get off and there'd be other friends of ours that were there. And we would all go over to our house to have late night food. And nine times out of 10, it was ramen noodles done with something special because he used to brag to people that you would not believe what Brandon can do with ramen noodles. Yeah. There you by go. the time it's finished, they're not even ramen noodles. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, about, your business a little bit. So, so many people with our busy lives and wives and stuff like that, we, time is at a premium and, you know, you spend so much time shopping for food. Well, I don't personally, but at my house, someone does shopping for food, planning meals, preparing the meals, and then cleaning up after those meals or getting ready, you know, all that, that's a lot of time. So, um, you know, we always talk on the podcast that any good business solves a problem and that's the problem you guys solve. That is, that is, we, uh, we estimate that we save our average client 10 or more hours per week in time to plan menus, to go grocery shopping, to cook meals, to clean everything up, um, going out to eat even sometimes that's a big time commitment. Yeah, so you absolutely. take a family of four out to eat, you're talking Two hours by the time yep. you leave the house, get home, come back, and everything else. So, our main product really is time. That's what we save people. Well, and then, and then 
to clearly define that, you got your business works with people to have a chef come to your home and prepare these meals, plan them, work with you. Like, for example, Matt, you have uh, one or more children that has a nut allergy. I have three kids. One of them has an allergy. And yep. so based on that, obviously, it's pretty important to not kill children while we're preparing <laughs> food. But right. like, that's a serious thing. And it like, is. it's come up and I've been around you and your family. And it's like, you know, it's and it's not something you want to occur. So these are the kind of dietary restrictions and stuff like that. You guys help plan. Like I just jumped back onto the keto diet today. That was something that I'm sure you guys could help, help me prepare keto friendly meals. And I, you know, the more you think about it, you're like, wow, if someone just came over and did all this stuff and was ready for me for the rest of the week, that'd be pretty awesome. Sure. I'd estimate that there's probably a third of our clientele that have special dietary needs. Yeah. And I, I found out really how common it was when I started this company 12 years ago in Wichita, my second client was, uh, had, uh, celiac disease. She couldn't eat wheat. And up till that point, uh, my standards were to cook things from scratch as much as possible. It's a pride thing. And my ability to cook things from scratch allowed me to change the, change the ingredients, substitute things, just leave things altogether out that really lend it, lend it to her special diet needs. And when I went into this, that, that really wasn't a focus. Really, it was about busy families and people needing extra time and taking that off their, off their plate for the week. And the special diet needs have, has turned into a major part of what we do. And the keto diet is really popular. Sure. We have, and that's changed over the years too. Yeah, there's all kinds of different things. Um, you know, one of the things. So, so you said you started this business in 2007. This has gone pretty well. You were in 12 cities, which are Kansas City, Wichita, Des Moines, Omaha, St. Louis, Chicago, Milwaukee, many. Minneapolis, I believe, Denver, Indianapolis, DC, and Dallas. That's a lot of places. It is. So how do you like, all right. And that's what we're we're really the main theme around today is, is food service startups. And, you know, Matt and I, we own a service business and we do tech services. It's a little different, but you know, obviously one of the things that occurs as you grow is you need more people which is sometimes a wild card, right? Sometimes easy. And, and I think that's what we can we can get into today is, you know, a lot of people, uh, you know, the, the service business is the most popular small business in the world. Absolutely. Um, it's something that a lot, it's a, a lot of people own services, service businesses and might not even know it. Right. Um, anytime you're doing something for someone, I mean, you're performing services for the most part. So that you have a different kind of issue, startups or startup problems, scalability, just problems. all of it, yeah. all of it is. So yeah. tell me, how exactly does your service work? So there's different types of meal service programs. Sure. So how exactly does yours work? So ours... The, if I the, signed up for it, what exactly happens? So the main thing that differentiates us from other services is we don't sell food, we sell service. Okay. We are, in effect, the easiest way to describe it would be a made service, but with chefs. So it's a weekly service. The chefs come in for half a day every week to plan a menu for the week to do the shopping for that menu, to cook on site in the client's home, to portion those meals out either individually or family style. They clean up and then they leave the refrigerator stocked with meals to reheat for the entire week. Okay. And you can do all of that in half a day, including they, going to buy the food? Yes. Wow. And, and that's, right. that's why it's... That would take me half the week. It would. For most people, yeah. it would take returning days into hours yeah. because of the quality of the chefs that we hire. Okay. okay. 
And so they're they're preparing, is it like a lunch and a dinner both? Or? It's completely up to the client. So okay. we have some clients that will have us prepare dinners for seven nights of the week. Okay. We have other clients that say, well, I, I still like to cook, so I just need help four or five nights of the week. And then I want some lunches to take to school. And then my kids really need something right. to grab in the morning. And so the refrigerated food will always last like a week. So, yeah. So according to the U S food code for restaurants, prepared foods are good for seven days. Okay. So, which is why we, we don't offer biweekly service or monthly service or anything outside okay. of the weekly structure, because it's, we don't want to take on that liability of what happens to the food. We want to be back the following week. Right. So, we have control over that and we make sure that nobody gets sick. There's, there's some things that even though pathogen wise, they last for seven days, the quality wise, they're just not good for seven days. So we advise the clients, if we make seafood, for example, you don't want to eat shrimp that was cooked six days ago. It's not going to make you sick, but it's going to smell bad. It's, you're not going to texture gets a little weird. Sure. Whatever. So is that the kind of stuff? Like when I'm talking to one of your chefs and I'm like, uh, just say Joan, and Joan says, well, you say you want shrimp, but that's going to be six days from now. It'll smell weird. Well, because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, that'd be good to know before sure. the sixth day arrives. Well, sure. Well, yeah. What we do is we, we tell them up front from even before they ever talk to a chef, when they call our office and talk to our administrative assistant, we're describing the service to them. We tell them that there's, if there's ever any, any specific instructions for a particular food. For example, if we make seafood for you, you need to eat that first. Right. You, you don't save that till the end of the week. You eat it first because that's when it's going to be best. Then uh, the chef will communicate that to you and we leave detailed notes on what we make. And if there's any specific reheating instructions, most of the food that we make, we cook to about 80% done. So that way when it's reheated, it's not overcooked, uh -huh. but it also makes it to where they can reheat it long enough to bring it up above 140 right. degrees is the magic number to kill pathogens and those things. And we tell them, you know, reheat it to well it to where it's just a little bit too hot to put right in your mouth and everything will be good. And uh, so, so let's talk about the people that do this. Cause you, know, you mentioned earlier, I said, wow, that would, I said, Oh, you do that all in, in half a day. Mm -hmm. So it's due to the quality of the chefs that we hire. So, I mean, that sounds very similar to like what we do at full scale. We hire senior software engineers, but with that, that term senior or quality or experience that's immediately like thinning your applicant pool, like a lot. It does. And then you have to find people that want to go do it in people's homes and that are reliable and, and stuff like that. I mean, is that, is that a difficult part of what you do? The, the difficult part is balancing the demand for chefs versus the, or the availability of chefs versus the availability of clients. There's always, cooks out there who are overqualified for what they're doing. One thing that's that we're, we're fortunate to be in an industry that doesn't usually take care of its employees. A restaurant cooks at restaurants don't really make very much money. No, so they don't make much money. Yeah, well, unless you're like the top chef and then you might at a really there. nice yeah, restaurant yeah, yeah. too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they usually don't make a lot of money. They don't make, they don't make benefits. Usually they usually have to work evenings and weekends and holidays. Yeah. So what we can do is we can go into the industry and cherry pick the line cook that has more culinary skill than your average chef, but may not have the may not have the management experience to be an executive chef or the sous chef that was promoted and thought this was his 
way up the ladder, then found out that he's work, now working 80 hours a week for $35,000 a year and in effect making less than minimum wage. Yeah. You know, there's luckily for me, there are a lot of those people in the industry. And one of the missions of my company is to provide those people as well as our clients a better quality of life. So we can offer them weekday hours, yep. bankers hours, yep, yep. full benefits. I mean, we have better benefits than, you know, I would think the weekday hours would be a big thing. Yeah. Cause you know, one yeah. of the things, so I, I, I mean, it's been forever since, and by the way, before I get into this, I actually need to stop for a second. Cause I want to thank Stephen Ford from Penco for sending us really awesome pens. Thank I you. don't want to thank forget. You, thank you. Thank you. you. They came yeah. in the mail today. They and are pretty amazing. With a really awesome note. I'm I'm literally taking show notes here. You can look on the YouTube channel. Uh, these have like a, this is a real diamond, right? It's yeah, like it this, is. This is like a, it's like 10 carats or something. Is that yeah. it? I it think looks, like, it looks like a magic scepter. It does. And it, it might be, <laughs> and they write really well. I'm really happy with it. So yes, Stephen Ford at Penco. Thank you for the pens. Yep. And next time you send us some pens, let us know what your website is so I can tell everybody <laughs> where to go buy them. So, uh, so qu my question for you is what about what does this cost? So if I'm uh, if I'm going to use this service, what does this cost me? So we we have uh, three different pricing levels depending on the cities that we're in because we have varying levels of demand in different cities right. and varying level uh, of availability for chefs. So in Kansas City, for example, our weekly meal prep costs forty four dollars per hour. Okay. The average family of four requires four to five hours of service. So anywhere from 175 okay. to $220 a week. Plus the cost of the food itself. Plus the cost okay. of the groceries. But we typically save families money on groceries because we're buying raw ingredients instead of prepared ingredients. So mm -hmm. they're cheaper, even though we can hand select them and get higher quality ingredients. We're not doing any impulse buying when we're at the grocery store. So. Dude, where you really save money is you give people their time back. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, what's the, you know, I've spent so much time over the years talking to say, what's the value? you of your time like i i one hour of my time is worth more than you charge for a week and so like if that's going to give back that amount of time like that's invaluable and we've right. you had guests on here that have used the term time arbitrage meaning like you just can't make more of it yeah right so how you utilize it and then like you look back i mean I, and maybe this is different. I don't think I want to like lay on my deathbed and be like, man, I sure wish I cooked at home more. So yeah. it's interesting, Matt, have you ever used, um, the meal delivery services like blue apron or any I, of that kind of stuff? I haven't, but as you're aware at many times over the last 10 years, we've had what we call a domestic manager mm -hmm. at our home. And we've had people that were, had a culinary background. Um, it wasn't the, it was kind of like what we would look for. So we, and we did this before we had kids. So we had someone that helped with a lot of the things that, but it was, it went past food. Right. And then honestly, some of them, and if you're listening, I'm sorry, only one of you was really a good cook. And then I got really fat, <laughs> which is true. But yeah. yeah, so I've never, you, you're talking like Blue Apron. Yeah. Or so I've, it is, I've so. used uh, a couple different services. I've used locally in Kansas City, something called like Happy healthy meals or success Happy meals or meals whatever. And so every meals. day, that doesn't, sound like, that doesn't sound like a trademark meals. violation, yeah. by the way. So every single day they would drop off food in a cooler at my house. And, um, I did that before. And then I've also used like blue apron and things like that. There was like two or three of those I've used before where they send you all the raw ingredients. They I, I, have right. a I have a fundamental right. problem with the carbon footprint that some of that stuff right. does. It's a it's lot like of some, shipping. Yeah. It's a lot of shipping and it's, it feels kind of unnecessary. Right. So much of it's like about, you know, just, you know, it doesn't like what you're talking about is like 
going just right up the street, getting all the actual ingredients, which on some levels is, I mean, think there's so much crap in some of the stuff you eat. And right. I just don't know. Like, I mean, I, I like the idea of having it be a little, I mean, how much do those things cost though? Those oh, things they're are, pretty expensive. They're, they're, um, they're yeah, as they're expensed. Expensive. Well, yeah. Depend, yeah. Depending on the company where like Blue Apron, they don't even cook it for you. So no. you, it's essentially right. the most expensive way to buy yeah. groceries. Yes. And but with, people do it because it's convenient. Yeah. They don't want to take. The, they don't want to take the time to sure. chop it up. I mean, that's the issue I've got. Like, yeah. I don't like sitting there with a knife and a cutting board right. and doing all that. It's just, I, and I know some people really do. Some people, I know a lot of right. people that they're like, man, I just love cooking, yeah. and I just don't. I did like the Blue Apron stuff from the standpoint of they give you like a really great recipe. They give you the exact ingredients you have right. and, sure. it's, and it's pretty easy to follow the directions and you end up making some pretty awesome food. Right. But wouldn't you be happier just having some, yes. <laughs> do all of it. Yeah. Like, I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Right. right. And one of the key ways that we're different from a lot of those services is that uh, truthfully, we're not far off on the price point because blue apron, even though they're not delivering cooked meals, it still comes out to about eight to $10 per, per meal. Is that so what the, yours come out to? Like, so ours are closer to the, they vary probably between 10 and 20 if you price it that way. And we don't, actually, we want, don't actually, sure. we don't actually sell the meals. We sell the service, but when people break it down, if they use, say they get uh, say it's a busy working couple and they're getting, dinners and lunches for both of them for six days of the week, they're getting 24 total portions and they use four and a half hours of service, which is around $200. And we spend $120 at the grocery store. It's about $320. If it's uh, if they're getting 24 portions out of that, they're paying 15 bucks. So these, a lot of these delivered meals are around the 12 to $20 price range, depending on what they are. If they're seafood, nicer things, they can be closer to 20. If they're hamburger and cheaper things, they can be closer to 10. But those are for things that are mass cooked in a a factory by low wage employees who don't have great working conditions and no creative freedom. Yeah. And that's that's part of what I like about what you guys do is there is like, I, 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 like the idea of, you know, of the, the quote service provider that you get to know, like, like we said with the domestic managers we had, and that was a, um, you know, term that, that covered, they didn't clean our homes, but they did kind of help with our, you know, laundry and other stuff like that. And I just think about like how much easier it wasn't my life didn't really change because quite honestly, I didn't do a whole lot of that stuff at my house anyway, but what it did change was my wife, and at one point she was my girlfriend and she was helping with some of that stuff and it made her happier, which they like to say, happy wife, happy life. It right. just, just, yep. it, it, but, it, but my point is, is like sometimes that's something that can smooth your, all your shit over a lot better when it's just like, cause that's stressful stuff. Like, cause what happens is on Wednesday, you're like out of food. Oh, but the kids, I don't know, man, I got a two and a half year old, I'm a four year old, yep. four and a half year old. And I'm positive that they never quit screaming, crying or talking. So, so you got kind of like that, got that coming up and you all, you know, now you're having to drag that to the store and any, I don't know. It's a lot. So as you mentioned earlier, talking about, um, startups, right? So right. like blue apron is a, is a big company startup, yeah. right? And there's other Didn't, people that do the this. one that got bought by Amazon or was that someone else? Blue oh, Apron no. went public. In public. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was yeah. Whole Foods got bought by Amazon okay. and they'd use that to try and get into the meal delivery business. So, and then there's, there's these other services, right? So it's interesting. You think about how to scale these things. The way that you guys do this is so much easier. It's more decentralized, right? Versus if you're Blue Apron or somebody, 
you have like a giant ass warehouse of food yep. and you've got to pack it all and ship it all. And there's and limitations like, oh my to God. that too. Yeah. Right. Or the other yeah. service like I used where they delivered me the food already cooked and I just had to right. heat it up. Same thing, like you mentioned earlier, they're going to have like a whole bunch of people cooking all night or all day. Right. And then a whole bunch of people. And then back to limitations. Delivering that stuff. Like like, scaling that. But in your situation too, like your son with the nut allergy, like you, like you have to, and I can't empathize with that because I haven't been around it, but I know it's, I know it's stressful for you because it's like, you know, it's just, it's just real. Like, because think of the, uh, when you've been around in that and you have violated that. He gets hit from just cross contamination. Yeah. And that's, and that's, by the way, that will ruin your day. He had a reaction a week ago. Yeah. Yep. And not ice good. cream. Not good. Cross contamination. Not right, good. Right. Not good. So many things you don't even think. So your 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 model is so much easier to scale. It is. You don't have to have a warehouse full of food. You don't have to go no. buy like a you know a dump truck full of potatoes that come in every right. week. No, our, <laughs> which I, like I would, blue ima- apron I would imagine that you have some of the same issues we have at full scale though, because like when you see a talented chef or someone, you probably have to hire them and then find the client for them. That, is, correct? that is part of the challenge where yeah. we have in, in every city we do business in. Cause if you don't have someone available, people are like, Oh, well right. maybe I'm not going to buy. And well, now we you're like, to, Oh, we have to get to a point in a city where we have, we have some unmet demand, but right. we can't wait until there's enough demand to, for one full person, because yeah. then we start losing the people who are waiting and then, for that person. And then if one of your chefs is sick so, one day, somebody else is going to be able to step in. Right. So, we, so it's, a, we, it's a balancing act. Absolutely. We, we have to hire them on when we have part of a schedule, and then we have to push to get the rest of that schedule once we hire them on to fill them up as so fast about maximizing as your margins at that point. Absolutely. And okay. Then, so we've been, this has been serious up to this point, but I feel like this is a good place. There has to be some funny stories about going into people's homes and cooking. There has to be oh, something. Sure. There has yeah. to be just, I mean, I got. I know you got to have something you can lay on us. It doesn't have to be crazy, but let's be realistic. Like you show up and the- People uh, are weird. Husband right. or wife is asleep on the couch, half naked, you or know, just something. something. There's got to right? be some stories. Oh, I had a buddy that was a roofer, <laughs> that, that was a roofer right? and they went to like go do an estimate and they went up on the roof and like obviously there's skylights and like they walked yeah. by one of them and realized that his client was like filming porn. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, okay. Uh, reminds me of my days as a paper boy in Grand Junction, Colorado when I was going around collecting money and I'm walking between these condos with glass doors facing each other and a bedroom window up top. And I'm knocking on somebody's glass door and I look up at the opposite one behind me facing that way. And there was a naked lady standing in the window, just staring down at me. And I was probably 12, maybe I thought, Congratulations. Right. right. <laughs> if you were 12, they probably deserve it. Mean, right. Right. That would have made my day at 12. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. No, we've, we've yeah. had a lot of crazy things happen. We do, uh, we do a really good job of keeping our chefs connected to each other. We have about 50 chefs in the 12 different cities that we have. And uh, we use a lot of technology to keep everybody in touch. And they're always sharing pictures and stories and crazy <laughs> things. And there's uh, there was one lady locally that I went to meet one of our new chefs who was training at with an existing chef at one of our clients' homes, and I went in and and as I was talking to the new chef, the client came out with a uh, monkey on her shoulder. <laughs> and, That's and, the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Right? You're like you just don't and, expect someone to walk into a room with a freaking monkey right. on their and shoulder. I, and I was in their home. So did there, you cook? Did were, you cook it? There were. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was tempted, 
but there, there were no no personal barriers because we were in their space. Yeah, yeah. and you know this monkey lived with him for years and years and years. So as soon as I was in there, I was a prop for the monkey, and the monkey's on me. And the lady actually like this is just the most normal thing in the world. And this monkey climbing on my shoulder, sitting on my head, pulling at stuff, and and I'm you know shrugging my shoulders and trying not to do anything weird yeah. because this is one of my clients and she's a, a really good client too. It's referred a lot of people and great lady and everything, but just put me in a really crazy position. But everybody who'd been in this house to train had to go through the same thing. <laughs> Initiation by monkey. When was the last time you had a monkey on your shoulder, man? Uh, I was in Mexico like four years ago. Okay. I've never had a monkey on my shoulder. Yeah. I've had one on my back. It tried to get into my shorts. Different, different monkey, man. Did it really? <laughs> yeah, I dropped like some raisins or nuts, and <laughs> right. yeah, then it was after mine. Right. Yeah. Just looking for the stash. Yeah. Right. That's, that's... Don't ever go to a, mon- a monkey sanctuary in Mexico. That's my story. <laughs> Hang on, let me write that down. I feel like it's pretty. <laughs> oh, use that special right. pen to, from Penco. Yes, and did I mention also that this is this podcast is brought to you by FullScale.io. I, Breland's in here taking Instagram pictures. It's her show producer, and she gets mad at me when I don't plug the show. Look at this. My notes, like it literally is in. Yeah, look I, at that. Because I can't read. Yeah, I have yeah. it highlighted. Look for right? those of you watching so on these, YouTube. It's and like, these pictures will be on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast. They will be. Yeah. Maybe even some video. Who knows? And the picture of the pens. Yeah, that came. These are I really awesome. By the way, they write really well. I was at first, I was like, you know what? I really love this pen with this like 400 carat jewel in it. And it's going to write like crap, but it doesn't. So, yeah. Any other great stories besides the monkey? Yeah. Well, do you have to, and it, I've, oh. is there anything on the employee side, like the other way around? Like, I mean, you know, some people are right. just, whether it's an employee We've talked about this enough. Like, hey, oh, I got, I got one here. You have a story about no. an employee or about a chef or I, about I, you cooking. I, I'm going to propose a problem that's probably happened. All right. I'm going to propose that one of these chefs shows up and then ends up dating like the the lady of the house or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, the weekly uh, the weekly trip turns hasn't into hasn't more happened, than cooking. Hasn't happened yet, but we've had some nervous husbands who have yeah. been worried about that. And uh, it's it makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah. Usually that's, well, and I, and I so bet it would. I, and and I some of that's just that like, you, but people point. are people, and that's yeah. the, that's the thing, and right. that's that's where the scalability of a service business, right. whether yeah. it's food services or tech You're services, going in somebody's like, house. And that's another thing too. So we so what we do at Full Scale is we help businesses find. We're kind of like you, like they're like, hey, I need a chef, but they need a programmer, right? Because they can't find them. There's a huge shortage of them, or whatever. And then you know, so we hire people much like you do, and then anytime you have an employee whether it's ours yours or someone else's they might look great and seem great and then you got to have them show up and be great right which isn't always the case and um now i'm i haven't been in food service for basically ever i did used to work at a bunch of bars i was a bouncer for like four years but i knew everyone in the kitchen and by the way many of those jobs were not accepted because my friends at those places were the most responsible people or reliable. Right. Um, some people walk out of those jobs. They're kind of like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And I'm out, you know, and, right. and they do like, so, you know, it's, I, I don't know. Have you, and I, I would assume that you're, you've gotten pretty good at filtering folks like that out, we but are. what are some, what are some red flags as a service business owner that tell sure. you, I probably shouldn't hire this person. So one of the, one of the biggest things is, uh, 
how little time they spend at every job. When I look at a yeah, resume, yeah. and especially yeah. especially if they don't know to edit their resume in a way that maybe eliminates the job that they were only at for two months and the one following it that they were at for one month. Yeah. Those things. So if that people, represents a problem when people have those short. And, and, yeah. and yeah. I, we have to give them a little bit of leeway in the food service industry because there are a lot of bad food service jobs out there. Yeah. And I don't want somebody who's going to be somebody else's victim and pariah and put up with abuse. But I also don't want somebody that finds something wrong with every job and spends six to nine months at a job. Sure. So that's one of the big, so longevity is one longevity is one. I would think you got, you have to have a different level of personality. Like you have to be personable. Like I, cause if I don't, if you're in my house half a day a week and I don't like you, I'm not going to have you in my house half a day a week for very long. Yeah. Our, our recruiting process and our qualifying process for employees is pretty extensive. So uh, we have, a manager that all she does is hire. Well, not all she does. She does some extra things too, but her main job. So is, if you're listening, you, we do people. know that you do more and, than just hire. People. Right. And, uh, and, and thank you. And she's, she is uh, she's a chef that's been with our company for four years. She doesn't get to cook anymore because now the hiring is a full-time job, sure. but she's able to test everybody that comes through. And one of the first things that we do is we give them a culinary test. And it'll, so do you actually it, like have them into a, like your place or your office or somewhere? And you're like, Hey, make whip it up. We, we do down the line, but we do a couple other tests before that, that eliminate, we, we probably get to hire one out of every hundred or 200 applicants. We're, oh, we're wow. in, we're in that same ballpark yeah, with what wow. we do. Cause yeah. like, like you said, but the thing is, is when we find those people that, that one or two, Man, our clients grab onto them, and they do not give them back. Right? You have the is the same. Is Absolutely. that the same? Yeah, we get we get great relationships because yeah. we send the same chef back every week, and they really get to know those people. They get to know their kids. Right, they and that's to, that personality thing, and that, and you know, it's so many that it's it's funny because uh, you know you can't teach people to be likable. It's right. very difficult. Um, you're either likable or you're not. Like, right. no offense, Matt. You and I, like, we are likable, but not that way that some people are. Like, the truly likable people, they can be like, right. "Your baby's ugly," and I think you're a dick. And they're, and you're like, "Yeah, that's awesome. I agree with you because they're just that likable." Right. I know one of those people. Right. right. And but you can't. There's something about you can't change. You can't teach that. Right. And it's just a very natural thing. But yeah. but having people that are likable, I mean, it really does smooth over a lot of things where some people are kind of abrasive. I'm just very forward and direct with people. And right. some people don't take that well. They get their feelings hurt. Right. And, you know, I mean, Matt, we've people have told Matt that. They're like, oh, DeCourcy's. Yeah. It's really upfront. It's one of those. Tech, now it's like he's saying, yeah, yeah. Rolling. but it's the same thing. And like, and, and I tell people that you either love them or you hate them. Oh, whatever there's, but here's the thing is like, but it's the same way, but, but the same thing can also go for you. Cause mm-hmm. like we have different personality yeah. styles. So like we do a lot, our own networking events and stuff like that, where I, I flourish. I'm very like outward and I don't mind talking to people about 10,000 different things. And that Matt doesn't enjoy that as much. Right. So sometimes it's about putting the people at your business in the situations where they're most likely to succeed. Absolutely. So, I mean, do you have some people you're like, oh, we have some clients. This client's a little bit difficult. We need to send we need to send John over because yeah. he'll be able to deal with her crap. Absolutely. And we we have a, we have a management structure too, where our we have I have an operations director, and then there's two area managers under her who each manage a few cities, and then they manage the chefs directly. And all of them have a lot of experience dealing with challenging people. 
And I, I come from a country club background, service side of the industry. First, yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Uh, yeah, the, your clientele in general probably is a little it's country upper, clubish. Upper ten yeah. percent of income yeah, sure. owners. Yeah, and that's and, why Matt's interested in your yeah. services. And yeah, something something that I've always found though is that the the people who are the biggest challenges can also be the biggest advocates. Yeah, once once you, you, you get in you and you're they know that you're in their thing. Yeah, because their yeah. friends know that they're difficult. Yep. All their friends do. Yep. So if you win them over and they start talking good to their friends about you, instead they're a big of bad, advocate. Yeah. They can be a huge advocate. And, and so it's I like, well, it's like people. that too. Like, uh, I remember when I first started Gigabook and some of our first clients, we were like, God, this person cannot figure out how to do it. And I brought that up to someone and they said, yeah, but if you can teach them how they will probably be a user forever. Right. And, and by the right. way, they are. Right? A lot of times your biggest critics are your biggest fans. Yeah. Like, cause they, they like you like a product and you're like, won't you fix this, this, and this? And then it would be even more amazing. Right. And you like, you, you like it so much that you're frustrated that they won't fix these things, right. you know? And we, we're all, I think fans of something right. like that. And everybody needs feedback, critical feedback yeah. regardless. And if you're too, that's actually one of the things that we check for in our chefs is we want to make sure that we hire people who can accept critical feedback because yeah. We do. We customize yeah. everything. That's a great point. Family. Yeah. yeah. Food's too salty or whatever. They can't be crying right. about if, it. If they, they gotta... can't cook with light garlic because this family just yeah. doesn't like heavy garlic, then they're not a good chef for us. Right. And know? then some, and, and some chefs are, well, at least in my experience of never, but maybe sometimes watching cooking shows, they don't right. always like that. They can't right. be overly opinionated. Yeah. There yeah. are, there are, they are not the boss. Who's the Hell's Kitchen guy? Is that Gordon Ramsay? It I is. would probably be like that if I had to run a kitchen. <laughs> like I really would because I, I I would be in a situation where I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. I right. like, well, God. if you own a restaurant, you can be that way. Be like, this is my yeah. damn restaurant. If you don't like my food, get the hell out of here. Right. But if you're in somebody's house and you're subservient to them, right. they're the boss. Is that why you asked me to leave last time I came over? If you didn't like my free wine, you can leave. Dude, you charged me for it last time. You ripped me off. It was a dollar. You know, it wasn't. I apparently paid you $140 in Belarusian rubles that you could not exchange. Which I, so. which I took halfway across the world <laughs> and could not exchange at in any, any currency in exchange. any airport. Or and then we mailed exchange. them to our employee in Belarus because that was the only place in the world I think you can use them. Yeah. Do you accept Belarusian rubles? Not yet. Are you willing? Because we... <laughs> I've got about one week worth of, not quite, close. So actually, well, you gave it back to me. And we mailed them. No, we didn't. Oh, we didn't? Not yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. We talked about mailing them. Yeah. You, you asked someone to mail them. And I said, you have more important things to do today. All right. I will give these back to you. But they're waiting. And I'm hoping that I can maybe get a Belarusian cook. Oh, okay. So, well, let's, that's another question. So do you have, uh, what about like foreign language needs and stuff like that? I right. mean, is that, okay. So when you talk to people that first move to the United States or any other country where they don't speak the native language, one of the most difficult things is sometimes shopping for food. Because not everything right. like, you know, ha, ha, in some countries they actually like, okay, Gerber <laughs> with their baby food. I learned this when I act in one of the five schools that I didn't graduate from, I learned this. So you have to understand the culture of where you're going, but Gerber had a baby on their baby food. And in Africa, it's because people speak so many regional dialects, they typically put a picture of what the food is in the container. Right. So think about that. So Gerber sends all this food over and they're like, we can't, we're not selling anything. What do people not eat baby food there? Right. And it's literally because the impression would be, this is a jar with babies in it. 
um, not good marketing. But yeah. so what about like foreign stuff like that? I mean, is that something you deal with? Or? So we haven't run across a lot of language barriers yet, but we do have, we have clients from different parts of the world, but most of them have been here for a while and, and yeah. there's not a big language barrier, but we do, we do uh, have to take into account everybody's individual um, preferences. So we've, I was we going to say like right. ethnic yeah. food, like we want Absolutely. you to only cook Chinese food sure. or whatever. We, for we us. have, yeah. you know, we have some Indian clients that they want Indian True. food yeah. and that's, they want the food that they eat at home. And, but when you have a certain level of chef, if they don't, if they don't know the actual cuisine, yeah. they can learn the ingredients sure. and the mixing part of it from a book. But if you can cook all Filipino cook. food for me, you're hired tomorrow. Yeah, we we have some. We have so you some make the full switch. Yeah, yeah I mean, have you changed? Right. Are you an expat now? Yeah, I want sisig for dinner every yeah. day. All right, yeah. so, so we don't have to some talk. Humba and crispy pot because no and, one yeah. knows what that really is. I think this is a good time for All us right. to play mixtape. Have you ever played mixtape the game? I haven't. Good, because you're about to. All right. So mixtapethegame.com, digital version soon. I played it. I played it. Getting close. Um, so I'm, I pulled a de- – by the way, I'm like the most intuitive mix card mixtape ga- the game card puller ever. Wow. Because this is very topical. So I'm going to read a scenario, and then all three of us are going to name a song that we think goes appropriately with that. And then okay. we'll vote to see who wins. You can't vote for yourself. Okay. Pretty simple. You are a vintage bottle of Dom Perignon. I feel like that's topical. What song would you want to be popped to? Mm. I'm going to go with any, I'm going to go with like, uh, let me see. I'm going to pop it to Money Ain't a Thing by Jay-Z and Jermaine Dupri. Because it's all about Money Ain't a Thing and Dom Perignon's expensive. Mm. So we're just going to pop it. Pop, pop, pop. There is no wrong answer here. Okay. I'm going to go well, with... I've, I've got mine. Lay go it ahead, on go us. Go ahead. Yeah, what do you got? All right. So if, uh, if we're talking vintage, Dom, you've got, you have resources. The card does imply vintage. Right. And so that's actually so, even more expensive. Right. Ooh. So you're, you're not necessarily... because money and anything. You're not necessarily struggling anymore, right? I mean, you've, you have some things figured out. Life's a little bit easy. So I'm going to go with uh, Guns N' Roses. It's so easy from Appetite oh, for That's a great answer. What song? I'm a GNR fan. It's so man. easy. Yeah. See, Matt's not a GNR fan. Once I had my company Christmas party from all of our employees at a Guns N' Roses concert, and the ticket said 7.30, and they didn't come on until 11.30. Right. I wanted to, like, climb on stage and fight <laughs> Axl Rose. Right. Oh, man. Pick a song, I'm gonna go, Watson. I guess I'm going to go with, like, We Are the Champions by Queen. I'm yeah. thinking, like, you know, we just won the Super Bowl, and we're popping bottles. I'm voting for Brandon. Yeah, I'm voting for him too. Boom. My sucked. And uh, with that, uh, would you like to shoot the money gun? Because I'm afraid now. Bef- Let's all right. It. I do have to tell everyone that Watson said, can I load the money gun today with something special and then hit it and didn't want me to see what was up. So <laughs> I am terrified about what could be at the mo- in the money gun. Um, but yeah. So Matt, you're going to, are you going to hand that thing over to yeah, me? Yeah, here what? we go. All right. Let's do it. Get it back for. Let's see if it actually works. Yeah. Look at that! Wow, man, it worked that time. All right, twenties. Yeah. 
Dude, it's Kevin, a lot better than ones. Uh, yeah, right? but I thought Kevin Lockett taught you. It's a lot that. better than their dirty ones and right. singles. So now, that was still awesome. Now, By the way, that's the first time the money gun has actually worked. It actually worked on and the it, first try. Well, that's because they were new 20s. And here's, Brandon, I have bad news for you. You don't get to keep any of the money. Right. No. Because then we'd have to give you a tax form and then we'd have to claim income. The long-term food service manager in me comes in and I see all these, all these bills now face different directions and upside down. He wants to point them all together. I need to face them. They all have to go their same direction. Your OCD is kicking in. That's actually a big no-no. Yeah. yeah. Like the the tell at the end of the day. I used to go through that at the bar, dude. It was excruciating. It used to be if you took it to the bank and all the bills were facing the same directions, you would you would earn the ire of the tellers. By the Man, way, you win the award for spraying money in the, by most the way, amount of yeah, places. I'm going to say, Brandon, that was an excellent execution yeah. with the new gold money gun. So yeah. congratulations. Okay. So if you want to check out Brandon services, they, their website is weekly meal prep.com. Um, they're also have uh, also doing business as, and known in some places as friend that cooks. Yes. Right. We- but, the name, yeah, you know, that's friend that cooks is our the name of our company. Weeklymealprep.com is a hopefully a easy to remember website for people right. to realize what we do and go there. And if I could plant another seed uh, soon within the coming years, we're going to be looking for other home service related businesses like to it. invest in smart and scale. When in when in Rome. So for anybody out there in the podcast who's who's owns a service related businesses that goes to people's homes, uh, keep tabs on us, reach out, people reach out, get, find Brandon at weekly meal prep.com. And he, they are a friend that cooks. And you said that each city has a different Facebook page or group or whatever. So, yes. And if you want to check us out once again, Stephen Ford, thank you for the pens. I like it. If you want to send in fan art of Matt Watson, uh, do it. And see what happens, because I will make your freaking day, people. I think that that would be beautiful. Um, figure out what you can do with Matt in association with fan art. Who knows? I'll probably send you a money gun. Maybe loaded. Probably not. Anyway, we're at, at Startup Hustle Podcast on the gram. If you get a chance, check out our new YouTube channel. Keep listening and make sure to get someone to come make you some tasty meals. See you next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.